hello. Welcome back, everybody. Episode 8 of the Take Action Podcast. Super pumped to be back again this week. Your host, Weekend. It was a good week. It's still pretty cold here in Green Bay, so somewhat disappointing. It's not even Thanksgiving yet, and we had snow, and it's Arctic chilling here. Other than that, we're doing pretty good. How was your week, Monty? Oh, my week was great, man. I had, a, had an amazing weekend. It was so fun. How did the practice went? You mentioned you and Kevin were going to take some action and train some Japanese guys and teach them how to play football or practice. Yeah, it was uh, it was very it was a very random day. I'll put it that. It started out like we said it was. You know, I got asked to help uh, be an assistant coach at the practice, and you know, a lot of these guys are in their forties, fifties. Even one guy uh, turned sixty. They were so fun. They got off the bus, showed up the night before. They had perch and old fashions and gave them the whole whole Wisconsin-themed weekend. And So they showed up to practice, and you could still smell a little bit. We did a huddle, and I thought they almost got drunk off the old-fashioned smell off their breasts. But they were great. They practiced hard. Uh, We we were pretty hard on them at first, making them run and do push-ups. And we did some Packer Jacks and... Other things like that, and then we uh, then Kevin took him down and taught him how to hit a blocking sled, which you know obviously he's got some experience there, and that was fun. And they were pushing me around on the blocking sled, and then I was throwing some passes for him. One of them called me Brett Favre, which made my whole week. And then it got kind of weird after that. We went to I didn't have any expectations for the day. I figured I'd be practicing with those guys until about 11:30 or noon. And they said, "Let's go to Badger State Brewing Company." And so we went to Badger State Brewing Company for about three hours. So you can imagine you know, spending time for three hours at a brewery. What kind of shenanigans ensued? But it was yeah. uh, it was amazing. And and the the people who had organized the whole day for the Japanese cheering team was was awesome because they had us. Uh, they took us on a bus to uh, the Hudson Center, so we got to go inside the Packers practice facility and just see how massive and amazing and what kind of facility that is. And then we boarded the bus and went to Door County, which for a lot of you who don't know what Door County is, it's the thumb of Wisconsin when you look at a map. And we were we took a bus from Green Bay to about halfway up the uh, coast of the Bay of Green Bay, so to speak, and uh, we did an old-fashioned, like we taught them how to make old-fashions, we did an old-fashioned class for them, and, and then, uh, then it got a little bit even more weird. Guys were starting to drop down into their speedos, and it's, <laughs> it's about, uh, the water temperatures in the bay right now are about 38, 39 degrees, and we were doing, we did a polar plunge. Apparently, you know, that's, that's a Wisconsin thing. And so we did a polar plunge for no reason at all other than to give the Japanese folks a weird experience. And then dried off from there, we went to the Diceville Bowl, which, by the way, is world-renowned for their cheese curds. So we bowled and and, uh, had some cheese curds, and it was a a great time. And then I don't know what happened after that. I was a little bit foggy after that part, but we had a a great day. They were so fun. And, you know, for for any of my friends in Japan now listening, uh, thank you for the fun experience. It was awesome. Excellent. It sounds like an amazing story. I could only imagine after three hours at a brewery, I would be probably ready to go polar plunge. <laughs> Consuming some old fashioned, some good beers. Yeah, eventually that liquid courage will boil in your body, will be ready for a reaction. Yeah, that was the first time I ever did a polar plunge. And, you know, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Although from my shins down to my feet, it took about 15 minutes for the feeling to come back. But it kind of reminded me of how it felt when I used to do the cold tubs back 
when I was playing sports. So it was actually refreshing, but oh man, I guess that's a way to sober up one way. Oh, for sure. I was, I was just going to mention uh, if you didn't sober up forever, then you probably sobered up at least for the next half an hour. Nice. Well, it's just two of us today in the studio, guys. So we'll be doing mo mostly educational podcasts today. Today we'll be helping you out and explaining how to take action on your first house and yeah, how to secure it. So I've been a realtor now for about eight months and I'm loving it. It's been a lot of fun. But you know, I think the most common most common question that I've had, especially from buyers, is how do you get started? You know, or in our case, how do you take action on buying a new home? So that's we're gonna go over some things today. We we pooled a few people before we went on to see what kind of questions they would like to have asked. So you you got a list of questions we'll go through today and we'll kind of bring it there. And I know you're starting to train to be a realtor a little bit as well. So this will be good for, for all of us. Yeah, I'm super excited. And we're not trying to sell you anything, guys. It's a strictly educational podcast. We're trying to make your life easier. First time buying a house could be intimidating, could be could go well or it could not. So we're here for you today, we're here to give you tips and tricks and hopefully make your experience fly like a breeze when it comes to your turn to buy a house. Yeah, you're saying he doesn't want uh, to this to be anything about buying anything from us. I do. I want to call me. I'm getting good at this stuff. All right, so what do you got, Europe? Okay, so I just wanted to share my experience. To be honest, if you guys, we lived in Green Bay for the last 10 years and we rented apartment on the east side of Green Bay apartment. Don't get me wrong, apartment was beautiful. It was on the lake. You can swim. The company was just phenomenal. And then eight years living there, it actually crossed my mind. I like Green Bay. I don't want to go anywhere. Why am I still living in the house? And me and my wife just sat down just to talk the potential home buying and we did some math and 10 years living in apartment paying 850 900 bucks a month so we ended up calculating we spent almost hundred thousand dollars just renting and at that point i actually got pretty upset i was pretty bummed hundred thousand dollars it basically could be half of my mortgage at the point already so all i want to tell you guys do not be Yura, don't wait too long, make your move a little bit faster and we're gonna give you some tips and tricks along the way to help. But one of the first questions, Monty, is actually probably buying buying a house gonna start with a good broker. So how do you find a good more how do you find a good realtor? Yeah, so I think before you even go looking for realtors, there's some things that you need to do before you look for that realtor. Number one is you certainly want to clean up your credit. You know, if you have any outstanding things past 30 days that are late, because it's going to show up on your credit report. If you have some debt that is bad debt, some major credit card debt, those kind of things really need to be cleaned up, especially for a first-time homebuyer. You really want your credit score at minimum above 650, but really you should be in the 700s if possible. There, there are some lending programs that will offer some funding for first-time homebuyers that you know have lower credit scores, but it's pretty rare and the interest rate is really high generally. So you always want to make sure your credit is cleaned up. 
and then talk to you know, talk to a mortgage broker first. I think before you even get into buying a house, talking to a realtor, go get pre-approved. Find out how much you can actually spend because everybody wants the four hundred to five thousand dollar house, five hundred thousand dollar house, and then you're going to go look at a four hundred, five hundred, six hundred thousand dollar house, and then find out you can only afford a hundred and fifty thousand dollar house. All the hundred and fifty thousand dollar houses are going to look really bad, and you're going to feel like you're not getting what you really want. So before you even set yourself up for that type of disappointment, make sure you know what you can spend and what you're what safely you can spend. And what I mean by safely is make sure you got a stack of cash available for moving costs for things that you might not think about, like ovens and refrigerators and home repairs and other things like that. So just make sure to do your due diligence that you have enough set in your bank account, and then you have talked to your mortgage broker to go through the best financing options available as well, because there's a lot of programs out there for first-time homebuyers which are really great, and you do not need 20% down when you're a first-time homebuyer. A lot of people mix that up, so that's why it's important to talk to a mortgage broker, talk to your bank, find out what programs are available before you you know, go and find a realtor. And I do want to second that once we decided to buy a house, me and my wife actually got so excited. We made a decision Saturday night that we want to finally start looking for a house. So we jumped online right away. We started looking at listings and it was open house next day, Sunday. So we zoomed in in there. There was a lot of people. I think it was like an auction house or getting into foreclosure, but it was packed of people. And we were talking to realtor, asking questions and stuff. And she's like, well, how much you guys can afford? Do you have your pre-approval letter? And that was a walk of shame for us. So pre-approval, it's basically, what would you say, step number one? For sure. You know, get a get your finances in order first and then go see your mortgage broker. Know, know what your debts are. Know what your what your income is what your your output is each month and then go see your your lender and don't be scared to ask your mortgage broker questions they there to help you if you don't understand something do not jump the gun make sure you understand the whole concept because once you buy you basically stuck with your house so let's let's do it right the first time and as mindsy mentioned finances are very important even our mortgage broker said it doesn't matter sometimes how much money you have at your pocket at the moment. A bank, before it gives you a loan, it wants to see a good credit, and especially it wants to see your payment history. They wanna make sure that you have outstanding loan payment history, that you didn't miss any payments, and all your financial affairs are in order. That's very important. There's no more human factor in what it, it is a little bit but a lot of the times everything computerized and stuff so the banks have their formula so it's not like lender can override the decision a lot of the times decision will be made by a computer if i'm not mistaken mindset eh? yes and no i mean for the most part yeah i mean some people are people who work in the industry and this is again it, it all comes down to who you interview and who your lender is because you're right in some cases it's just numbers. They spit out the numbers, and that's it. And they don't take the human factor into play. Uh, there's and, and there's no variable. But 
for the most part, if you find a good mortgage broker in there, you know, and they have great reputations, and obviously you want to do your due diligence on that, talk to a few of them. Talk to two or three of them and go with the one you feel the best with and, and what your gut tells you after interviewing them, and that's probably the person you want to deal with. Oh, excellent. So let's move on from pre-approval. We got our pre-approval, so the, one of the most important steps out of your way. So the next question will be what questions the first time home buyers should ask? What should be concerning you? What you should know besides pre-approval? Well, I mean, obviously you want to you want to be up to date on how the buying process works as well. So you go in, you find a house you love, then there's all sorts of other things that you have to go through. You know, you're going to go through inspections a lot of times. You're waiting for the house to appraise out. So, you know, maybe do a quick research on this. Okay, go online. I mean, if you type in buying procedure, you can find out exactly what happens typically, you know, with that buying procedure. And then you kind of, you go from there. But, you know, you got to also remember there's, not only do you have a down payment a lot of times anywhere from, you know, some places are, I think they're 0% down. It's pretty rare now. It used to be available that, you know, then you're looking into closing costs and getting pre-approvals and all of those different things that, that are going to go on, you know, as you go along. So just, it's not a, hey, I love this house. Let's sign some paperwork and then we have the house. There's other things that need to go on. So also be ready, you know, to buy there might be some maintenance issues, you know, some things obviously expect to paint. Everybody wants to have their own flavor and their own paint colors a lot of times. So be prepared for that. So there's just a lot of different things that, that are going to pop up. So do a little research before you go out there and, you know, start looking and, and buying. And then once you get all the stuff out of the way, then the process isn't so bad. But if you just go in cold feet, not prepared, you're going to hit a lot more walls that you're going to have to fall back. And even from my own experience, I wanted to mention that make sure you get a good inspector because good inspector will go over your potential future house he will look at the things that you would never think of and he'll make a list what's wrong what's right so i believe this is very important to have a good inspector because once you buy a house and your inspector didn't find it you're gonna get stuck with it could be anything from small issue to something large like cracking foundation or a house sipping water or roof falling apart so make sure you get your inspection yeah for sure i think one of the questions you had was how do you find a good realtor yes how do you find a good realtor that's that's a really good question well, I think the first thing is just to call me and then you don't have to worry about it. But if you're outside of Northeast Wisconsin <laughs> or in Northeast Wisconsin, there's a lot of great realtors in our area. But there are some out there that are you want to watch out for because they don't practice on a regular basis. They may be you know, a friend of a friend and maybe they have one or two closings a year and they just keep their license because they like to collect a little bit of extra cash. Uh, and that's not a knock on anybody who wants to do the career part-time. It's just... You really need to interview if you're not if you don't know a personal realtor, somebody that you can trust, somebody that you know is going to have your best interest. Make sure that you do your interviews, especially when you're buying a home, because on the buyer side of things, what people don't realize is even if you hire an agent or you have an agent take you to a home and you love it, they are still working for the sellers. That is a that is a code. 
at least in Wisconsin. In other states, I know it's different, but in Wisconsin, the, the buying agent is always working for the seller unless you get a buyer agency agreement signed and they can work for you. That's probably a little bit deeper than we want to go today, but just understand they still, the, the agent still is working for the seller. They are still trying to get the deal done. So you want to make sure you have somebody there that you can really trust who's going to work for you and do what they need to you know, do. So that they can look you in the eye, that you guys get along, that you can trust them, that they're open with communication. If, they, if you send them a text message or you send them a call and they're not getting back to you within you know, a couple of hours or at least the, by the next morning, that's probably a pretty good sign of how your relationship is going to go with that person when you're going through this. I always try to get back to people as soon as possible. Even if they leave a message and I'm not available, I'll shoot them a text to say, hey, I'll call you, you know, at such and such a time. That communication that I found is so important and my reviews and my you know my clients so far have been really really happy with that and I think that's the key because no news is the worst news at some point oh, absolutely. As, a, as a realtor I'm going to have to deliver bad news and I've had to deliver bad news already you know whether it's to another agent or whether it's to a homeowner there's going to be bad news at some point maybe not hopefully not in your buying situation if you're listening but in real estate world there's bad news but it's just better to tell somebody the bad news than to push it off and push it off and you know be chicken shit about like oh I, I I just am too scared to tell them you have to part of the code of conduct so communication to me if they're willing to communicate and be and you can tell they're being trustful and open I think that's the most important thing and then from there you know their knowledge on housing they don't you know you can't expect a realtor to be an expert on roof uh, roofing or siding or interior or plumbing or electrical don't expect your realtor to be that you have them you know obviously expect them to have some sort of knowledge on on that but at the end of the day that's the inspector's job and why you hire an inspector once you buy a house is they're the experts and what needs to be fixed and what doesn't need to be fixed but a realtor should have a little bit of common knowledge on flooring and even like ideas on design and updating and you know helping helping a, a buyer visualize how the house could look too if they if it was like a picture up or something like that and i would also say that communication is very important especially it was in my case when you buy your house for the first time you are so excited you go look at the listings your eyes lit up so excited you text or call your realtor and then you, you don't hear from them and by the time they get back to you excitement goes away or even worse your house is already sold so make sure you like your realtor to somebody you're gonna get stuck with for a while you like if you buy your house on the first try but for a lot of us it's it's a process for sure so. well it is a process it's when you get to the point of from the day you find your realtor, and then you're gonna go look at houses, you're probably not going to buy the first house you walk into. And my advice to anybody that's going to look at a house is start on the lower end of your budget. So then you can see, okay, this is this is what my lower end's telling me. So then the next time you go in, maybe you go to the high side of your budget, and then you look at the differences and what you're getting out of that house. Then you can kind of scope and get an idea of reality of what you're going to be able to afford, what you can't afford, what you can stick into it, what you can't stick into it. And who knows, maybe you find an amazing deal or you have a motivated seller, you know, who's going through a divorce or has some health issues or got a new job out of state and they just need to sell. Then you know, like, okay, this house has an amazing value. Let's roll. 
And I do have another question from our listeners. Seems like a lot of people are interested and want to know how much down payment you should have on you. Because for some reason, historically, everybody's thinking that you absolutely need to have those 20% or bust. So what's your take on that, Monty? Well, my take is always this. If you can afford if you can afford 20% down and you still have enough to play, so to speak, and what I mean by play is cover your moving costs, cover your whatever odds and ends you're going to do, any remodeling that you want to change up right away. If you have the 20%, then do it because that's just equity you have in the house. However, if you're a first-time home buyer and you're maybe in your mid-20s or early 30s, you might not have $40,000 in savings at that point. And and that's why they have the first-time home buyer credit. So I'd always say this. If you can do 20% down and you can do 15-year mortgage, go for it. That's like the ultimate thing that you can do. But most people aren't in that position. So generally, you're going to have a 30-year. And some places, they'll you know they'll go down as low as I've seen. You know, Like I said before, I've seen 0% down. I don't necessarily advise that. But if you have enough equity in the home, then you can do that. Otherwise, there's rates as low as 3.5%, 5% I've seen for first-time homebuyers. So again, that's more of a lending question. Mm-hmm. But if you can get to 20% and you have that chunk of change available and you're able to do it, I would still take advantage, especially with the way interest rates are now being so low. I would try to get the least amount down that you can and then utilize that money for other investing purposes, You know, whether it's you know real estate investing or stock market or whatever. I'm not a financial expert, but there's there's other ways to make money off of that lump sum of cash that you have. Plus then you have an emergency fund right there too. Oh yeah, for sure. I was just going to highlight that if you have 20%, that's wonderful. But even our banker said it's your first house. It's not a million dollar house. So you might need something. So realtor said to not put all 20% down, keep some cash to yourself, especially as Monty mentioned, interest rates are so low at the moment or at least lower. So yeah, and I would say the only drawback to putting the like zero down, like some like VA loans will let veterans go as low as 0% or first time home buyers are at three and a half percent. The only thing to watch out for is all of a sudden the market just takes a dive. Then you could be backwards on your house, especially right now with a lot of, you know, in our area, it's a hot market and houses are inflated. You buy a house at, you know, maybe a little bit of an inflated price and then all of a sudden the market drops and you're kind of in big trouble if you need to sell. But that would be the only drawback to that, but you can still probably get by. Excellent. And is there any other things to consider besides the size of down payment, finding a good broker? We, we went for pretty good lists here of what people should be paying attention. Is there anything you think about that we didn't mention yet today? Well, I mean, obviously the, the condition of the house. I mean, that's something that you have to be willing to take on. If you're somebody who's never picked up a hammer in your life, you don't want to fix her upper. You want something more turnkey. So be prepared to spend a little bit more money for a house that isn't doesn't need a lot of you know things to be fixed up if you're a handy person and you can get a house below value and fix it up and a couple of years later all of a sudden that house now is you've raised it to the market level or even above market value then that's a great thing too so always look at the condition of the house be realistic with your abilities you know i know youtube is out there now and youtube's amazing for learning how to fix things and 
I mean, it saved me thousands of dollars just by going on there and learning how to fix things myself. But that would be something that I would I would definitely consider is the, the condition of the home, the location. You know, there's, are you close to parks? Are you close to, is it a busy street? Is it close to school district that you want to be in or in the school district you want to be in? Those are other things to consider. You know, we have, you know there's always the, uh, the sex offender registry too. You know, I don't have any children, so it doesn't bother me, but... You know, somebody like you would probably want to look in there to make sure you're not moving in next to somebody that does has a laundry list of those kind of offenses. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I wouldn't buy a house knowing that there's a guy sitting with a binocular across the street from me, creeping on children. Yeah, or you, right? Well, not really. So uh, I'm not a creeper anymore. I'm come down. Well, I was <laughs> yeah, about you being a creeper, I was saying somebody is creeping on you. Somebody is creeping on me. Now yeah. it's weird. Yeah, it's now weird. weird. Okay. <laughs> But yes, especially for parents with children, make sure you're in a good location. Don't possibly don't buy a house on a busy street because your kids are little. They can, it takes a split second for them to open the door and run away. But location, school district was pretty important for us. Uh, our house was right next door to the park, like literally walking distance. So it was one of decisions. We saw the park, house was great. I'm like, yeah, the, this is it. So, all right. So we covered a lot of interesting things and then how to take action on buying your house today. If you're in the Green Bay area, you can always hit up Monty for more questions on our social media or where else people can find you, Monty? Uh, com. And Sims is spelled S-Y-M-E-S. So monty.simsrealty.com. You can find me on Facebook. I have obviously multiple ones at Take Action Podcast MY. Also at Ray Monty Properties. Uh, and it's R-E-Y-M-O-N-T-E Properties. And Yuri, where can everybody find us? Well, we on social media. We have our own Facebook page at Take Action Podcast MY. We are on Instagram with the same name. We currently got our LinkedIn profile, so it's still in the works, but we're there. Other than that, all of our podcasts could be found on basically all major platforms. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, so we're basically everywhere. If you missed a direct link from us, which I usually include with every podcast, you can always just Google us, Take Action Podcast with Monty in Europe. It's one of the first searches. And I do want to get a shout out for all of our listeners out there. Our podcasts are growing, so the fan base is growing as well. From last week's analytics, we got listeners from Czech Republic and Norway now, so that's pretty exciting. I really hope your Japanese friends, mind you, will take some action on our podcast. I hope so too. <laughs> but yes, it was a great episode. Just want to say, do not be scared to buy a house. Go to your banker, ask question, find a good realtor. And there is one more important thing to mention. Basically, buying a house doesn't cost you anything. Usually, seller pays commission to buyer, correct, Monty? Right. So if you're going to buy a house and you want a realtor, usually the seller is the one who pays the buying agent for their commission. So by you know getting a buyer, if you were to hire me to go find you a house, it would not cost you anything. And a lot of the times, a good good agent probably will work out with a seller so they would even pay your closing fees for you. So it that depends. Oh, depends. That, that, one, that, one, 
that was uh, up for negotiation. But yes, I just wanted to say that buying house does not gonna come with commission for you guys. Usually it's yeah. it's pretty good service. Selling is a little bit different. But yes, that's it for today. It was just two of us in the studio. I do want to mention we are bringing females on our show. We're not haters. We love women. We love men. It just happened that first few guests were men, but we're working our females. So ladies, we love you. Don't hate us. We're going to have female in the studio very soon, guys. If we have any females that are listening that want to come on the podcast and you know have some unique view about could be anything because that's a whole half of our population that yuri and i know very little about by the way <laughs> so the more that we can get some we can get some diversity on here uh the better off we are so we're looking forward to hopefully having some female uh podcasters i think we have one lined up for next week i gotta confirm that but and uh it should be great she's an amazing person if uh if it works out nice nice super exciting and thank you for tuning in today guys you have a great week new episode will come out on monday and we'll see you next week with a new guest hopefully boom boom shakalaka